0: says tech can't be human
1: you got to celebrate the w and so you got to find those small wins that eventually build up to the big wins
0: welcome to the hacker valley studio podcast Axonius has crossed the chasm, the first company to solve the cybersecurity asset management problem. Gartner has recognized Cyber Asset Attack Surface Management, Chasm, as a category in their Hype Cycle for Network Security 2021 report. Axonius gives its customers a comprehensive, always up-to-date asset inventory helps uncover security gaps, and automates as much of the manual remediation as you want. Take a look at Exonius and give your team's time back to work on the high-value cyber initiatives they were trained to do.
2: What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris.
0: Yes, sir.
2: Welcome back to the show.
0: Glad to be back again. This episode, we're going to be speaking about grit and what helps develop gritty organizations. To discuss this topic, we brought in David Fivecoat. David helps people become better leaders through executive coaching and many other means. And David is also the founder of Fivecoat Consulting Group. David, welcome to the podcast.
1: Ron and Chris, thanks for having me on. I'm excited uh, to talk to you guys. Really
2: enjoy your podcast. Absolutely. Grit is one of our favorite topics to talk about. I learned a thing or two about grit from being a wrestler, from being in the United States Marine Corps. But David, for the folks out there that don't know who you are just yet, what is a little bit about your background and what you're doing today?
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, I served 24 years uh, in the United States Army. Uh, I was commissioned out of West Point and served as an infantry officer for those 24 years. Led a People at the platoon, company, battalion, and brigade level, which for those that aren't familiar with that, that's about 40 people all the way up to several thousand people. And along the way, I developed some ideas on how to, how to develop grit. Fast forward five years ago, I uh, retired from the Army, worked for another company for a couple of years, and then decided to, to stand up my own company doing executive coaching and uh, leadership talks and uh, experiences. It's been an interesting journey. I've had to develop some grit that I didn't know that I had. The difference in grit from both the uh, government side and now the corporate side is a little bit different. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit about uh, my experiences seeing grit on both sides.
2: You know, it's so funny because, you know, all the way growing up, people would always say, you know, whether it's a boy or a girl, like, oh, that boy or that girl has no grit. Almost like it's supposed to be ingrained into them at birth. But why grit? Why was that the focus for your research and your development?
1: Yeah. So, um, so you guys have probably re- read um, Angela Duckworth's book on grit. She's sort of uh, she's a, a, a psychologist that teaches at the University of Pennsylvania. She's got a, a great TED Talk. Uh, I read her book and I enjoyed the heck out of it. And I think she does a phenomenal job explaining what grit is, uh, who has it, who doesn't, how you measure it. Uh, But I thought she fell a little bit short on telling people how to develop it. And that's what we all want. We want to be grittier. We want to accomplish our long-term goals. I define grit as the will to persevere, to accomplish long-term goals. And with that, uh, I was working with a client. I was doing some uh, uh, business consulting, and they were like, "Hey, you're you're kind of gritty. You know, why don't you write a book on grit?" Cause <laughs> I, and I was like, "Huh, that's kind of interesting." And it had always been uh, a goal of mine to write a book, and so I started to, to sit down uh, and do it. I run a blog. I've been blogging about leadership and grit and leading in, in, in crisis uh, since the pandemic started, and so I I started. Started working on the book. And I eventually, if you go back and look at my blog in late 20 and early 21, I actually rolled out about 16 of the 20 chapters in the book uh, on the blog. I stole the idea from Andy Weir. I don't know if you guys know who Andy Weir uh, is. Absolutely. But- Ah, uh, good. He's a fan. For those that don't know, Andy Weir is the guy that wrote the book The Martian, uh, which later got turned into the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the same thing. He rolled his chapters out uh, on his blog, and then took the the criticism from scientists that were reading it and improved the science and and some of the other stuff. And so uh, I copied his way of of putting together a book, uh, and and rolled some of the the, the chapters out that way. Took the feedback, uh, got some other folks to read it, send it to an editor, and eventually published the book in July. The book is, has, has had a huge impact out there. It's got about 20, 20, over 20 five-star reviews on Amazon, has sold really well and continues to sell, and I continue to get opportunities to come talk to folks like, like the Hacker Valley podcast about grit.
0: Love it. And I got to say, it probably takes a lot of grit in itself to write a book, to like put that time in to go through the reviews and, and just really allow it to be presented to the world and also to overcome the feedback that you have for yourself. I know when I'm writing content, whether it's on the form of the podcast or videos, I always go a little hard on myself. And, you know, you have to have that grit to overcome that within itself. The question I had for you is, where did grit start for you in your life? Was grit something that you felt like you were born with? Was it something that you've, cultivated over the year what's your origin story and relationship with grit
1: so I believe that 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 folks can can grow or develop their grit uh, it's not an innate trait uh, some folks have it more than others to begin with but it is something that we all can can develop and grow I believe that a person's grit comes out of, of six factors the first one is their personal purpose they also then have to have a goal whatever that long-range goal is then they have to have some perseverance resilience, courage, and then they have to understand where their motivation is coming from. But those six components all together builds a person's grit and sets the framework up, especially when we set out to tackle goals that, that aren't well-defined. Attending college is, is relatively well-defined. You know, you, you, know, you know you're going to spend four years or five years you know, attending. You've got to pass X number of classes, and you eventually come out the other end with a degree. It gets harder when we try to do things in life. For instance, like writing a book, and and for me, writing the book was a gritty journey. Mm-hmm. I'd never written a book before, and so I sat down. I said, "Okay, well, I'll, I'll think about twenty. You know, the twenty chapters sounds about right." I started doing some rough outlines, and then I started putting some of the the chapters together. And I'm an iterative writer, so it, it did not come out great the first time. I continually have to edit and edit and edit and edit and take feedback and eventually just kept plugging along and plugging along. I also decided to do my book as a self-publishing exercise and I it, I picked the publisher that did the least amount of hand-holding possible. And so mm. I had to teach myself all these different things about how to build a book, like cover design, which fortunately was taken care of through, through my publisher. She, she helped me do the cover design. I wrote the book, sent it to an editor, had to work with the editor for almost two months to get it into the, the final version that you see. Got it back, got it formatted in the right formats, had to learn how to hang it on Amazon and uh, uh, some other platforms and get it into the, in the right format there. Also discovered that there's actually professional indexers out there, Had no idea that that was even a job, but there are professional indexers out there. And so I had to hire an an indexer to actually index the book because I thought it gave it a little bit more uh, professional take on it. Of course, doing it for the first time, uh, I struggled to get everything done and get it across the goal line. And I I finally got the book in its final form like one week before it was supposed to release on Amazon. For those of you who haven't published a book. If you don't get it hung a week ahead of time on Amazon, they put you in time out for like three months. And so you have to delay the, the release of your book if you, don't, if you don't get it up in time. But was fortunately uh, lucky, worked some long hours and, and displayed some grit to actually uh, get the book out and uh, get it on the street and get it out there helping people uh, developing their grit.
2: That's outstanding. You know, when people think about grit, or even for the uninitiated that know not a lot about grit, they tend to think about the athletes. They tend to think about the service members that are going through boot camp or buds or anything like that. And they tend to think it's very physical, but grit, for the most part, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, is, is a lot of mental, there's a lot of mental grit that comes along with the physical. Even if the the physical seems, there's always left a lot left in the tank. I don't know if you've listened to David Goggins' book or read David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me. It talks a lot about mental toughness, that, that callus of the mind. And that even applies to folks in technology and cybersecurity, because we have to have mental toughness even if it's the late at night, we're working through an incident, there's a lot of mental toughness th- that comes into that to be able to perform at the level that uh, we need them to perform at. But from your perspective, how much of grit is mental versus physical?
1: I would say it's probably about 70 percent mental, thirty percent physical. You know, you have to get those mental pieces in, in, in together. And I like to consider myself a uh, an amateur. Uh, amateur cyclist. I've got a big race coming up in, in, in two weeks up in North Georgia, about 90 mile ride with about 9000 feet of climbing. And so I, I use myself as sort of a grit experiment. But part of it is not only do I have to have put the physical work in, I've got to have the mental work done as well. You know, I've got to understand what my purpose is. And in my case, my purpose of the ride is, is to complete the ride and do do my best job possible. I've got to have the goal in mind and and I've sort of done the recon. And then I've got to figure out, you know, how do I develop that perseverance, that resilience when I'm going to bounce back and deal with some of my fears. I had a race late in the season last year where I bonked, which happens when you don't eat enough on the on the bike. And I've got to do a better job of preparing for that and, and getting ready to deal with that should it happen that this ride. But a lot of it's mental. One of the things I'd like to, to circle back on, though, is I can't remember if it's Ron or Chris, if you said that you were a wrestler. Yeah. One of the, I ran the United States Army's Ranger School, which is the Army's premier small unit leadership school. 61 days in length. We test folks' boundaries and and help them develop their grit. The student only gets two meals a day and tends to get about three to four hours of sleep average each night over the 61 days. So you learn how to lead folks when they're tired and wet and cold and hungry. There isn't a whole lot of ways to predict who's going to make it through ranger school. But interestingly, one of the groups or demographics that would make it through ranger school were those folks that had either been high school or college wrestlers Mm. in a greater proportion Than anywhere else. For whatever reason, wrestlers develop that grit, that idea of going out and might be a little bit stronger than, or may not have as good a technique. But they, the wrestlers as a group, uh, tended to do well at Ranger
2: School. Wrestling is no joke. It's a very, very tough sport. But what's funny about being a wrestler, I've also done things like jujitsu. When it comes to things like wrestling, jujitsu, I have an incredible amount of grit. Like you put me in a chokehold, I'll hold out, you know, longer than most. But in different situations, I have like the least amount of grit. I cannot stand running. I was in the Marines, couldn't stand running whatsoever. I'm one of the first guys to be like, you know what, guys, keep going. I'm, I'm absolutely done. But it seems like grit can also be situational. Have you run into that as well?
1: I actually uh, flipped it when I was in the Army. I loved running. I detested doing ruck marches I don't know, I don't and so if they had said hey would you run 10 miles or ruck march five i'd be like hey i'll run 10 uh, no problem <laughs> i do think it is it, it, there is some situational part of it is understanding you, you know for you it was you demonstrated uh, greater grit on the wrestling mat and less grit when it, it came time to do the marine corps three mile run uh, what is it? Every fall, you guys would do the
2: yeah. When I first started in the Marine Corps, it was uh, twice a year, and then they changed it to where you have to do the CFT, which I was really good at, and then in the fall you end up doing the uh, the regular PFT.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so part of that I I think is a understanding you know your your perseverance and and where you're drawing that perseverance from, whether it, you know in this case you could handle the adversity of of battling somebody else. It was battling yourself to get out there and run. That was a little bit harder. Those two things, I think, uh, were playing playing a role there. Uh, same way, you know, where you know you had great grit on the wrestling mat, and you you took it into the business world as well. And, you know, to stand up this podcast, it takes grit because you you know you don't know what you're doing, and and right. you don't know if it's if it's impacting folks. Sometimes you're just out there, you know, flailing along blindly but you need that grit to keep persevering and and keep one foot in front of the other to develop and grow your business.
0: This podcast is sponsored by PlexTrack, the proactive cybersecurity management platform bringing red and blue teams together for better collaboration and communication. PlexTrack makes cybersecurity teams more efficient, effective, and proactive to help them win the right security battles. Aggregate security data from all of your sources, centralize remediation efforts, and deploy a purple teaming platform that facilitates your tabletop exercises. Claim your free purple teaming research report and book a demo of PlexTrack by visiting plextrack.com forward slash Hacker That's P-L-E-X-T-R-A-C.com forward slash Hacker So I got to ask, you know, we're talking about having grit as an individual, but what about when you're on a team? A lot of our listeners are practitioners, entrepreneurs, founders, and they have to kind of inspire others to develop and grow grit and really cultivate grit in their organization. What kind of strategies and tools do you recommend people to look at when trying to bring grit into their workplace?
1: A group's grit is sort of different than individual grit. It's the group's will to persevere to achieve long-term goals. You know, some groups have it. The story that I love telling, and I grew up in Ohio, I'm not a Buffalo Bills fan, but now as I look back on it, the Bills uh, that made it to the Super Bowl four years in a row got beat every year is just an incredible display of organizational grit be mm. able to go all the way to the top, get beat, and then turn around and come back and do it four years in a row. Mm. Part of it was the coach Marv Levy, ex-army guy, but built that organization to have that grit and resilience to deal with it. I think there's, there's a couple things here. And the first thing is the, the group has to understand its goals. And one of the things that I've discovered as I work with corporate groups, both doing uh, leadership talks and business consulting is sometimes the goal isn't clear. Leaders put out lots of goals. They have it in their mind that the goal is clear, but it doesn't trickle down very well to the group. And so making sure that you have that one goal that everybody is focused on. You've got to put a plan together so you have a roadmap of how to get there. And then it's important to have that scoreboard that tracks the progress. Whether you're looking at uh, quarterly numbers or yearly numbers, it helps to have that scoreboard so folks know how they're doing. I find that's also kind of challenging for some organizations where they haven't really measured themselves that much and they don't develop a a good goal that that they can track how they're making progress towards. Three other things that are super important, a culture that provides some guardrails for their team. We can talk more about culture and how do you build that culture of grit. And then some teamwork where you build trust in the team between the members so that they, they worked well together. The last thing, and of course, that thing that everybody's looking for is that leadership that is going to pull all these elements together and help focus the group on that goal, see the roadmap, track their progress, and then help them continue to build that teams and culture that make things successful.
2: One of the things I found as a leader is in order to get people on the same accord, in order to get folks working to their utmost ability, there has to be a team identity What I found was when everybody's kind of working for themselves, there was varying degrees of effort, varying degrees of grit. But once you get everyone on the same page and everyone understands like, hey, I'm a part of this team and our mission is to do X. Once everybody's on that same page, it almost seems like magic. Everyone's working harder because they know that the mission is bigger than themselves. Is that part of the team dynamic that you're looking at?
1: Yeah, you hit the nail right on the head. You know, I I'm a big believer that everybody wants to be part of something bigger than themselves. Whether it's your team at work or or following a sports team uh or or whatever, you want to be part of that bigger thing and have that identification of of being part of the team. The biggest thing that I talked to my leaders that i work with in the executive coaching to how to create that the first thing is to to lead with optimism and make sure that they're actually telling the team hey that we're doing well you know we're tracking on the scoreboard things are going great and then the second thing is switching their vernacular from i to we that little switch you know for a leader to start talking about we or our or the team rather than themselves or i is huge in changing that mindset and getting folks to identify with that team, whether it's just a small group of cybersecurity folks in a larger organization, or or an entire business, that kind of language helps to build that team and get everybody rowing together and helping the business uh, succeed.
0: What about those situations where it's just like someone is dragging their feet? Like, I'm sure we've all been there where you you are the one with grit. You're very passionate about a certain topic or subject, and you want to do everything in your power to push it forward. But your collaborator is that person, you know, that we had in high school that lets you do the whole project. How do you really get them back on track? What are some things that you ask maybe some of your clients? And what are some of the, the suggestions that you make after you've kind of found that path or discovered paths with them?
2: I know you're not talking about me, Ron. (laughs) <laughs> it's the opposite way
1: I, mean, I have no grit no, I'm just kidding <laughs> well uh, a couple things that I talk to folks about and and some of this is based off of my experience in the army is sometimes people uh, aren't suited for all tasks and um, sometimes it's just important to figure out what that one person can bring to the overall project they may not be a co-collaborator but they they may be super good in one detail of it And and so find that thing that they can contribute and make sure you maximize that contribution. It it may not be exactly what you want, but if they can contribute in a meaningful way and it helps to move the project forward, that's a win. The second thing is to ask them. Ask them what their reservations are. Ask them why they're dragging their feet or why they're not bought in on it. And they may have some legitimate reasons on why they don't believe in what, what you're doing. I think those two things for the leaders um, are super helpful to, to to help bring some folks onto the team and get them to do it. Uh, I think a lot of that person that's dragging their feet is maybe because they, they don't feel like their voice has been heard.
0: Ooh, mm. Powerful. Sounds a lot like a communication, like just having that communication and not being afraid to address issues at some point.
1: Think about all the leadership problems that you guys have had at work. I would wager to guess that at least 75% of them were caused by some sort of communication issue. Yep, Either the boss over-communicates, the boss under-communicates, the goal isn't clear. There's lots of challenges out there. And so I work with a lot of the leaders in the executive coaching about talking about how they can clearly articulate some of the things and and help paint the picture better for their team to see where they're going. One of the techniques that you might recall out of the Marine Corps is this idea of end state. And I'm I'm a big fan of end state, which is what success looks like at a certain point in the future. Yep. Talking to leaders about helping their team see that, and especially with a number attached to it, whatever, however you're going to track, you know, number of of lines of code written, or number of projects completed, or whatever, on December 31st, 2022, can really help the team focus and move forward. But oftentimes the leader struggles to paint that because they're not sure what that looks like either.
2: One of our favorite books of all time by Stephen Kotler is "The Art of the Impossible." And and in "The Art of the Impossible," they talk about little eye impossibles—the things that we haven't done yet, but other people have done—but just seemingly impossible to us. To big eye impossible, which is these big, hairy, audacious goals that no one's ever done before that that pioneers set out to accomplish. And a lot of the things that he talks about is this almost momentum of the little eyes coming becoming the big eye. How do folks practice grit on the small scale in order to do and have grit on the big scale?
1: Well, first off, you guys have given me two books to go look, look at, because uh, <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't read uh, Gagin's book or Kotler's book. So you're giving me some homework to do. But there I'm always go. looking for good books to read and continue. You know, I, I, I'm always convinced that you got to keep moving forward. And so I, I'm always looking for ways to grow myself and uh, improve myself. And so I'll go find Gagin and Kotler's book. I do believe that, that there is some transferable elements to grit. For instance, I graduated from the Army's Ranger School. It was an incredibly tough experience, and I've relied on that at various points in time and drawn on that experience to deal with other experiences, like combat in Iraq and Afghanistan, where I was like, oh, yeah, this is tough, but the experience I had from Ranger School has made me tough and realized that I can overcome this different situation because I have that experience. I'm sure your wrestling experience uh, paid dividends in the Marines and then in, in, in the corporate world as well. As you think about those little things, the other one that I think is really big out there is w- with goal setting. A lot of times we don't break down the goal into smaller sub-goals, which I think is sort of the little I, and then celebrate those achievements as wins as well. We often sort of set this big audacious goal. It becomes this huge sort of weight and it's it's incredibly tough to achieve. And we would have a greater success achieving that if we laid out some milestones along the way and then celebrated those as victories. You know, one of the the bumper stickers I'm always telling folks is, you know, you got to celebrate the W. And so you got to find those small wins that eventually b- build up to the big wins. And uh, I think that's a one way that, that folks can go on the little I- impossible to the big eye, impossible.
0: That is so true. Celebrating those wins. I mean, if you don't, it's hard to keep the consistency up. It's hard to really have faith and have belief that at the end of the day, you're going to get to that big W and, and accomplish the thing that was previously impossible by everybody. I would imagine that's some of, you know, what's going on within your career. Tell us a bit about taking that leap from military to your own company and seeing that over time. What were some of those small wins that you celebrated when you started your company?
1: It was a huge leap from from going from a, a you know paycheck twice a month from the government for 28 years to going into the corporate sector. And I worked for another company for about three years. And then in March of 2020, I, I liked to joke that I wasn't being gritty enough. So I decided I would uh, found my own company on the cusp of the pandemic. But I started the company. And um, there was some serious uh, self-doubt that year. In 2020, I went a whole quarter without a client. I was blogging about leadership. I was trying to do talks on leadership, and I was doing business consulting for really the first year. And then in 21, I was talking to somebody that I thought wanted to do a, uh, a talk, a leadership talk, and they said, hey, you know, do you do executive coaching? And I'd never done it, but I was like, oh, I'd done a lot of coaching in the military and I felt relatively comfortable with it. And I said, sure, I'll, I, let's do this. And, and from there, my executive coaching business really took off. And whether you call that a pivot or sort of a natural extension to what I was doing. But right now I've got 10 executive coaching clients. I've got slots for five more this summer. And I work with clients for six months and try to help them learn more about themselves as leaders, learn more about themselves as people, what their strengths are, what their gaps are, and then help them work on goals and achieving those goals and and developing their grit uh, along the way. It's been incredibly rewarding. I didn't realize uh, when I got into executive coaching how rewarding it is. But it's been a great journey for the last uh, 18 months as an executive coach. And I've really enjoyed it and really had an opportunity to help some senior executives out in a couple different lines of business, learn and
2: grow and uh, really accomplish some amazing things. Good on you, David. That's definitely doing great work there. There's someone that's listening right now that needs a little bit of inspiration, and I know you've been through a lot of gritty situation. We'd love to hear a story of either your grittiest situation or even a situation where you at first didn't have any grit, but you found the power to dig down deep and persevere. What's that story that you would tell everyone to persevere today?
1: There's lots of stories out there about where both I I succeeded and also I didn't succeed. One that comes to mind right away was on this bike race last fall. I had gone out super hard. I hadn't eaten well. And at about 80 miles in, I bonked. And I actually had to pull over at a gas station along this ride and went into the gas station and, and bought some food and then went came back out and sat down by my bike and stared at my bike and was like, man... I'm not sure I'm cut out for this cycling thing. I had that sort of existential contemplation of, of life and uh, why am I doing this and why am I putting my body through this? But <sighs> drank a Coke. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just go on to the next rest stop and then I'll get some more food in me there and I'll, uh, I'll try it that way. And the lesson there for everybody on inspiration is, you know, right there I had a really dark moment. I wasn't doing well at something that I really like to do well and I think I'm really good at. For a variety of reasons, I had to dig down deep into myself. I think the same lesson that we talked about uh, earlier about breaking down the problem, because at that point in time, I still had about 20 miles left to go into smaller steps. And in this case, it was, hey, I'll get myself to the next aid station. And then I had a friend that was was watching the race. Then I, I'd see if I could make it to the finish line. And I never really quit anything before. And I didn't want to quit this thing. But I broke it down into those three little sort of short-range goals. And so I I got back on the bike. I made it to the aid station. I made it uh, to my friend. And then finally, I made it to the finish line. It wasn't the prettiest race I've ever raced. And it wasn't the one that I'm most proud of because I did it. But I felt like I overcame adversity. It really tested me both mentally and physically. And I was able to persevere at the end uh, and demonstrate some grit uh, to get myself across the finish line.
2: Outstanding David. Thank you so much for hopping on the mics with us to give us a masterclass on grit. For the folks out there to want to stay up to date with you, your blog and all the incredible things you're doing in this space, what are the best ways that people can do that?
1: My webpage is com. I blog once a week on that. I also cross-posted on LinkedIn. I'm the only David Fivecoat on LinkedIn, so you can either find me on LinkedIn or come to the come to the blog on the webpage.
0: Love it. We'll be sure to drop those resources in the show notes. Would highly recommend everyone to check out David and buy his book. David, thanks again. We'll see everyone next time.
2: If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us. If you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend or talked about it over coffee.